right. Amen. Well, guys, Merry Christmas. It's Christmas season, right? Y'all can clap it up. You can say Merry Christmas. It's okay. I, I, I love the fact that we get to celebrate Christmas, and that's what this whole series is about is we celebrate it. You know, it's, uh, there was a lot that went into that, that, the birth of Christ. There was a lot that went into the planning, the preparation that God was doing. And so if we look back in Scripture, you know, we've talked a little bit about how Jesus fulfilled all the prophecies and all the promises that God had made. But God was preparing for this moment, this special moment that would take place, which we celebrate as the birth of our Savior. God was preparing for that for like 1,500 years. And so if we go back and we look at just even the nation of Israel, the nation of Israel was a picture of God's salvation. So their history, it points to and it talks about a God who, who brings salvation. We go back and we look at their, their worship and, and even the rituals that they would often do would point towards a high priest. The whole, the whole tribe, the whole tribe that were, that were the priestly tribe pointed to one day there would be a high priest that would come that would take care of all of that. The sacrifices that they did, we see in the Old Testament, pointed towards one that would be the perfect sacrifice, the perfect lamb, the Messiah, the promised one. And so we go back and we see and we look back at that and we realize that all those, all those events, all those things that took place, God was preparing a place and a way where we could be in right standing with Him, we could be in a right relationship with Him. You even go back to the temple. The temple was a picture of what it would be where God would meet with us. And so when we, we, we look to the, the New Testament, we see that Jesus, the birth of our Savior, takes place. He grows up. He becomes a man. He lives without sin. He goes to the cross, and he bleeds out his precious blood as the Lamb of God, the perfect Lamb of God. His, his blood literally covers the sins of, the, of, of all those who will put their faith in him. And here's the thing, is whenever we put our faith in Christ, we become the temple of the Holy Spirit. And through Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within us. The Bible says that we are filled with the Holy Spirit and we are sealed with the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. So therefore, we become that temple. So all those things that were taking place were pointing towards this moment, this, this birth of the Savior, the birth of the Messiah, the birth of Jesus. And so it should be a time of celebration. Amen. It should be a time of celebration. And so don't, don't get caught up and don't lose sight of what Christmas is about. Christmas is the celebration, and it should be an all-out celebration of the birth of the Savior of the world, God's one and only Son, and the promises of God fulfilled. And life for those who put their faith in Him, freedom for the captives, everything that was promised was made complete in Christ. So the first week we celebrated hope. We talked about the promise of Christ. Last week we celebrated life change, which was incredible to me because we had an opportunity to ask people to stand that had put their faith in Christ. And because of them putting their faith in Christ, their life had been changed by the power, the transforming power of the gospel. And so they were able to stand. And even in this service, we had a young man who stood, who had given his life to Christ in the service. And so we got to celebrate life change. We got to see literally someone put their faith in Christ and literally become a part of the family of God in that moment. Isn't that awesome? I mean, I love that. We also got to vote a budget in. We got to give to the Big Give offering. And just so you guys know, last Sunday we were able to take up $43,000 came in in the offerings that were given last week towards the Big Give. That's huge. That's huge. And, and you heard Hunter say you can give towards that, that missions offering 
all the way to the end of the month. So last year we took up about 63 or 64,000, and then we had another 15,000 that came in for the food truck. So whether we top it or not, that's what, not what the focus is. We just want our people to be obedient and just give what God has put on our heart to give. And so what, and when we do that, here's the thing. We're giving sacrificially, and we're, we're by faith. We're trusting God. That's what today is about. We're celebrating faith. We're celebrating faith. So let's look at the story of Joseph and Mary. And I want us to start in Hebrews because whenever I talk about faith, I always have to go to Hebrews 11.1 1 and, uh, and, and following here. So listen to what it says. It says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for, and it is the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. Now let me tell you, whenever we, if you ever read in Hebrews, it becomes the faith hall of fame. And it talks about in days of old. It talks about the Old Testament. It talks about Moses and Abraham and just on and on and on. All those who, by faith, trusted God. By faith, leaned into God. And, and so, and some of those things, it even talks about some of the things that they hoped for, they didn't see on this planet. But they trusted God. They had faith in God's plan, God's provision, and God's purposes. And so I want us to look at the story of Jesus, the birth of Jesus, that a couple of people of faith are involved in this. It says... And this is reading out of Luke chapter 1. It says, In the sixth month of, Elizabeth, of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. And Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God, and you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. And he will, he will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. And what's more, your, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren. But she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Isn't that a great promise? Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. And so we're, we're talking about faith today. We celebrate faith and we celebrate the faith of Mary. Mary that when she heard the angel give her this message at first, she was, she was scared. I'm sure she was confused, it says. You know, and so she's not sure what's going on. But this angel brings her a message, a proclamation, uh, uh, you know, and, and it's from God. And it's a message from God. He's delivering a message from God, and he's telling Mary what's about to take place. And so what I love is Mary is confused. She's scared. And, but here's the thing is, you know, she, she goes, how can this be? She kind of gets her wits about her. She begins to ask a couple of questions. How can this be because I am a virgin? And then the angel explains to her how this is going to take place. But the, the, what I love is that last part where she says, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And so with Mary, by faith, she, she literally, she hears this message. You know, and, and something you need to understand, you know, Mary was a descendant of King David as well. Joseph was a, a descendant of King David. So they traced it way back. And, and one of the things we need to understand that that was a big deal. You know, oftentimes when we read in the, the Bible, we'll see the begots and the begots and the begots. And we're like, man, can I skip this part? Can I move on to something a little more interesting? 
But you've got to understand, the lineage is important. Some of it, it literally is the fulfillment of what God promises. And so Mary, who was, you know, she was raised with it. She knew that she was a descendant of King David. You know, Joseph knew that down the line he was a descendant of King David. And so that was a big deal. Their lineage, who they were connected to, the family tree was a big deal. And, and so for them, they knew the promises that came through Scripture. That, one, that there would be one who would sit on the throne of David, who was, was, was their relative, that they would sit on, they would realize, you know what, that he would be the Messiah, the promised one, the one that God had promised to the nation of Israel that they had been pointing to with everything they had done all these years. All these years. They had heard it, been raised from children. They knew what to expect. And so Mary heard it. Mary heard this. And it says, she goes, I am the Lord's servant. And so by faith, she submits, she surrenders to what God wants to do. Right there on the spot. Didn't take a whole lot of convincing. But she knew, hey, you know what, the angel, the presence of God is in my room. And you know what, and I, I, I trust you, God. And so we see faith in Mary. That she submitted, she surrendered to, to be a servant of the Lord. And I'm just telling you, this, that's, that's not something that God is not, you know, God is still looking for, for people who are willing to submit and surrender. When, if, when we're willing to say, God, here, here I am, here's my life, I'll give it to you. And so look, let's look at the next one here. This is out of Matthew. This is the birth of Jesus the Messiah. It says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man. That's a big deal right there. And did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. And Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son. And you are to name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. And all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. And so we see two, two, two young people here. You know, and we, they talked about what the ages might have been. Of these young people, Mary could have been anywhere from like 13 to 15 years of age. Joseph could have been anywhere from 15 to 16, 17 years of age. They don't really know the ages. But back in the day, you know, you you matured and you began to live out your own life a lot younger than we do today. Now we tell them, hey, listen, you can lean on mom. You can stay with mom. You can do whatever and dad. And, you know, and hey, you just you get all your money saved up and then one day. But I'm just telling you, back in the day, it wasn't that way. It was, hey, listen, you know, you need to start providing for your, your family. You need to start working and becoming a, a young man, becoming a young lady. And, and so we, we see these young, these young people have this encounter with a holy God. And, and so, again, Mary has had, had an angel come and tell her this message. And she says, Lord, I am yours. I surrender. Here I am. Joseph, you know, he, he found out what was going on. And you can only imagine he's engaged to this young lady. He's wanting her to be his wife. And not only was the lineage a big deal, but virginity was a big deal. And it should be today as well. But back in the day, that was a big deal. And here's the thing. If, if it had found out that she had not been a virgin, she could have been stoned to death in that day. That's just what the culture uh, allowed. And so he decides, hey, listen, I'm going to just, I'm going to discreetly, I'm going to secretly, if you will, you know, you know, put her to the side and move on and find another bride because this is not what God had, had intended. That's his thinking. But yet here he has an encounter with God. And so this angel comes and speaks to him and says, listen, it's just as she has said. 
This child is of the Holy Spirit. And, and of course, he wakes up. And this is what I love. He wakes up and says, but he, he woke up and he, he literally, he said, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. And so Joseph puts faith in what God has said. Joseph knew the teachings. He knew that there was a Messiah that was coming. He knew about a virgin having a baby. He knew what the prophecies and what the, the, the Bible was pointing to. He knew everything that they had talked about. He'd been raised in that teaching. And so whenever he heard this, he knew this must be of God. This must be something powerful. This is something special. This is what we have been promised. You know, and so we see that Joseph was faithful to do what God had said. And he was faithful even to Mary. And then it says he, 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 he married her and says, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. And so here's what I love about that story. And many of you guys in this room know, moms and dads, you know this. You know, that there's a tough time when you're dating to try to keep the hormones in check. You know, and try to keep things from getting out of hand and being in a way that dishonors God. And so here, now he's got a little extra going because, hey, this is the child of God. You can only imagine what must be going on in Joseph's mind. But the thing I love here is we see that, you know what, Joseph says, you know what, I'm going to honor God. I'm going to honor Mary. I'm going to honor marriage. And we live in a day and a time where we don't see that a whole lot. And too often now, hey, listen, we'll just live together. We'll just do whatever. You know, and, and, and young people are waiting longer and longer and longer to get married because they've got to save up enough money. And they want to get done with college. And a lot of that comes from pressure from parents. But let me show you this. God's Word says that we're to honor the marriage bed. And we don't have to kind of do what the world says to make sure that, hey, everything's lined up just right. But what happened is he's saying, hey, listen, I'm going to honor God and I'm going to honor Mary. And, and, and what he did is he didn't have any sexual relations with her at all. And think about it, he's married. Like, here, I would just say this, I'm not a big fan of long engagements. If you've dated someone and you know, hey, this is who I want to spend the rest of my life with, and the other person knows that and they've agreed, hey, listen, I want to spend a long, I want to spend the rest of my life with you, don't drag it out and torture yourself for a year or two or whatever, however long, just because you want to save up money. Honor God, honor the parents, honor, honor your spouse to be, honor whoever it might be, and honor the Word of God. And, and so, you know what? Marriage is something to behold, something that needs to be protected and honored. And, and, and hold off on, on, on awakening, you know, love before it's time. Wait until, you know, you're in that marriage relationship. And let me just say this. That could be not only in young people, that's older people as well. If you're in a, if a dating relationship or you're in a relationship, if you feel, hey, this is who I want to spend the rest of my life with, then honor them, honor God, and honor God's Word. And find a way to, you know what, hey, listen, let's let this be something that God is proud of and that we're proud of and that we don't have to hide. And so I love the fact that, that Joseph, he literally honored God and His Word and he honored Mary. So look at here, this, the whole story involving Joseph and Mary is a story of faith. So when we look back at this, we're going to see, you know what, it's not just something that happened, but this is the story of faith. He was a righteous man. Joseph was a righteous man. Mary, you know, she, she found favor in God's eyes. And so these are two young people who had been faithful. And they were, they were full of faith. And so God literally, he, he, he looks on the, he, he's searching for that faith. We'll talk about that later. But it says the whole story involving Joseph and Mary is a story of faith. Mary had to trust God's promise. Mary had to trust God's promise. So she conceives this child. And not only does she trust God, she trusts God to protect her because it could have cost her her life. He, she trusts God to work things out with, with Joseph. She trusts God in every area. And so Mary had to trust God's promise, had to trust the promise that this child would be exactly what he said. 
And so he, she saw God as being faithful. Joseph had to trust Mary. Mary tells him, hey, listen, this child is of the Holy Spirit. Now, it's, it's obvious that he wasn't completely 100% on board. And I don't know how many of you might be on board if your girlfriend comes and says, hey, listen, this baby that I'm pregnant with, this is the Holy Spirit. You'd be like, wait a minute now. You know, there was one Jesus. That's it. You know, so, and, and so here we see that they're going, oh, you know what, Joseph, I trust you, Mary. So there was trust there. So Joseph had to trust Mary. He believed her. Now, he struggled to begin with, but the, the, the angel comes and makes it clear, hey, this is of the Holy Spirit. And he's like, God, I'll do what you say. And so Mary had to trust Joseph as well. Mary had to trust Joseph. So what she does is she tells him. And she tells him, he could have thought she was crazy. You've lost your mind. What is wrong with you? And he could have been done with her, but she trusts him enough to tell what's going on. She trusted him. She told him what she had been told. And so she had a trust in Joseph. And so there's faith and trust. And here's the thing about trust. Trust is a faith. Faith is, again, it's, it's confidence in something. It's, it's, it's hope in something. It is us literally believing something to the point that it moves who we are. You know, I tell people all the time, you know, we can believe certain things, but whenever it, it, you believe in something to the point that it moves you, there's faith involved. You see, I, I believe that Jesus died on the cross years ago. I, I mean, before I got saved, I believed a lot of things about Jesus. But my faith, when my faith kicked in, is when my belief became more so, more so an action. That, you know what, I surrendered my life. I gave him my life. I can remember at the age of 19, you saying, God, you know, I don't know what you can do with me. And I'm sure Mary and Joseph felt the same way. Mary's going, Lord, I don't know what you're going to do with me. You know, are you sure it's me? But yet, here she goes, Lord, here I am, I'm your servant. And I can remember at the age of 19, asking Christ to come and live within me, going, you know, Lord, I don't know how you're going to use me, but here I am. And then a year later, I felt like God was calling me into the ministry. A year into being saved. I can remember thinking about how much I didn't know about the Bible and all, what I couldn't do. And I can remember saying, God, I can't get up in front of people. I'll never be able to do that. You know, and all these things that I would tell God that I wasn't going to do, don't ever do that. Because he will put you in that situation to prove that he's God and you're not. And that he's in control and you're not. And so it's one of those things where I was going, God, you know, I don't know what you're going to do, but here I am. And that's what Mary did. She goes, God, here, here I am. I'm your servant. And Joseph said, Lord, I'll do as you say. And so we see that both of them, they trusted God and they trusted each other. So Mary had to trust, trust Joseph and then Joseph had to trust God. He had to trust God that he was, he was telling him the right thing to do. And so not only did he trust him, he took care of her. And so, so Joseph trusted God. He trusted the, the, uh, what the angel had said, and he took care of Mary. Even though he couldn't touch her, he couldn't have any kind of uh, sexual relations with her, he honored her, he honored God. You know, and then here's the thing, he, he carries her and he takes her. You know, and when we see, you know, even in Bethlehem where she's having the, uh, the, the birth of the, of the Savior, you know, we see Joseph taking care. He's, he's there caring. And, you know, somebody was telling me that, you know, the, the, the movie, The Nativity, if you haven't seen it, it's a, it's a great movie to check out. You may want to check that one out. But it shows kind of like what it might have been like whenever she was giving birth to this baby, the special child. And so you might want to check that out. But I think about, you know, how Joseph was taking care of Mary. But eventually, here's the other thing, you know, he's got to raise this child. Can you imagine the, that night when he held that baby, what that was like? You know, Mary, she's holding the baby, the Messiah, the promised one, God's son. Joseph was probably a little bit afraid to hold the baby. You know, like, man, I don't know if I should touch him. You know, and the, here's the thing. He's got to raise this baby. He's got to teach this child. And so literally he's raising him in a carpenter's shop. And you can only imagine where he didn't want him to get hurt. And he's like, if something happens, he's like, God, I'm, I'm sorry. 
you know, I, I, I didn't, I didn't know, you know, I, I didn't see that coming, you know, whatever you did, but I didn't. And, and so whatever might have happened, you know, he was probably overprotective. I would have been, can't imagine toting that burden of going, you know, you know, this is the son of God that I am raising in my home and in my carpenter shop. Can you imagine? But he trusted God. Joseph had to trust God. But what I love is God trusted him. And he trusted Mary. And there's some of you in this room that you need to hear this day. He trusts you. He's calling you to something special. We talked about it last week. There's, there's ministries that God has put on your heart. There's something that he is calling you to do. And you're thinking, God, what do I bring to the table? What do I have? And it's not what you bring to the table. It's what he brings to the table. And he's saying, hey, listen, if you'll just trust me, I'll use you for great and mighty things. If you trust me, I'll use you to make a difference in the lives of people. And there's some of you in the room today that you need to hear that, you know, God trusts you. And he wants to do great things through you. And, and all those things are for his glory, not for yours. It's for, for his, his, his affections and his attention. And so both Mary and Joseph had to say to God, I am your servant. Whatever it costs, whatever it takes me, or wherever it takes me, I'll do it. Whatever it takes. And there's some of us in this room that maybe we have to be willing to say that, you know, Lord, here's, here's my life. I give you everything. No matter what it costs me, no matter what it takes, I am yours. I shared not too long ago about a, a young boy I met at a wedding. And his mom was so excited. And she was telling me when she found out I was a pastor and she was introducing me to him because he was going to be a missionary. But he was going to a foreign country where literally his life is on the line 24-7. And he and I talked about it and said, hey, you know, in that country, it's hostile to the gospel. And he goes, yes, sir. And he just said it with a smile. And I said, you know, your life's on the line all the time. And he goes, yes, sir, with a smile. I said, dude, I said, I'm praying for you. And I prayed for him right there at the wedding. And, but, you know, here's, here's what I love. He had surrendered his life. He said, Lord, here I am. Use me. God, if you want to send me into a hostile land, God, I'll go. I'll, I am yours. And too often what we do is we have this control mentality. There's control freaks all in the room, I guarantee you. And you, you want God to do things in your life, but you don't want to give up control. You want him to, you want him to let you do what you want to do. You just want him to bless your prayers. You want him to bless your ideas. And here's the thing. We've got to be willing to say, God, it's not about me. It's not about my agenda. God, it's about your agenda. And so God, I give you my life. And so both Joseph and Mary said, Lord, here I am. Use me. Here I am. Use me for your purposes. Whatever it costs, wherever you take me, I'm yours. So here's the thing I would say to you guys. God is still searching for faithful men and women. So God is searching for faithful men and women. It says the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. See, God loves fully committed folks. He's searching. And, and, and just think about it you know, in this way. That God's eye is searching this room right now to see who, who would be faithful to preach the gospel. Who would be faithful to share their faith in a foreign land. Who who would literally give their life to missions? You know, we took up that, that offering last week to support missions. And sometimes it's real easy to put money in a basket. But what if he said, hey, I want you to put your life in the basket. I want you to put your life on the line. I want you to go to a foreign land. I want you to go to a cold land or a hot land or whatever it might be. And I want you to be literally a witness for, for the gospel in that area. And now some of you are going, you know, Lord, I hope you don't call me to... Africa or to Alaska or to Brazil or wherever it might be. I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable right where I'm at. And that's the thing. We want our comfort rather than being obedient to God. 
And see, I still believe that God is calling people to the ministry. I believe that he's calling people to preach, to be, you know, to be pastors. Uh, one of the things I can remember years ago at Sanford University when I was going to school there is I asked one of the professors, I think it was Dr. Sigurd Bryan, I asked him, I said, hey, Dr. Bryan, what is the difference between, you know, now and 20 years ago? And this was 20, 20 or 30 years ago when I was there. And he said, Mike, he said, the biggest difference is there's less and less people responding to the call to ministry. And I said, do you think that God is calling less people? He goes, absolutely not. It's just less and less faithful to the call. And so I'm just telling you, God may be calling you to the ministry. He may be calling you to preach. He may be calling you to lead worship. He may be calling you to go to the mission field. He may be calling you to start a ministry. But too often we're so caught up in the American dream that that is what we feel called to rather than to the God that we serve. And the God that we say is the God of our life. So God is still searching for faithful men and women. It says here, God, God is still searching for people who will pursue obedience, whatever the cost. So God is still searching. He's looking for people that will pursue obedience, obedience to God, no matter the cost. It may not be popular one day to be a Christian. And I tell you, it gets closer and closer to that in our country. About the only thing that really costs us to be a believer in this day and age is we get humiliated. We maybe get you know, talked about. We may get run down or whatever. But there are some countries, like I said earlier, that it literally costs you your life. And so we've got to be willing to say, God, you know, God, I, here I am. And he is looking, he is searching for people who will pursue obedience, whatever the cost. Here's another one. God is, he was searching and looking for faithful men and women, people who will trust God, even though the outcome, seem, outcome seems unsure. You know, we talk about faith. And a lot of times when we talk about faith, many of you, your mind goes to religion. God's not about religion. Man is about religion. God is about faith and a relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ. But we say, man, he's strong in his faith. We often mean that he's strong in his religion. It doesn't matter what he believes. But see, God is about faith. Faith that we put into him. Trust that we put into him. Confidence that we put into him. And and so God is looking for people who are willing to be faithful people. Faithful people. And so people who trust God, even though the outcome seems unsure. And so there's times that, you, you know, God may put you in a situation and you go, well, you know, I don't know what the result's going to be. I don't know how it's going to end. Well, that goes back to trust. It goes back to faith. Any guys ever done a trust fall? Anybody ever done a trust fall? Raise your hand. Raise your hand talk high if you've done a trust fall. A trust fall is where you stand and you fall back and you let people catch you. Now, the, you, you can go on YouTube and you can see some, some, some mistakes where they didn't do too well. All right, trusting people is one thing. Trusting God is completely different. People let you down all the time. Now, some of the funny videos is whenever the dude falls forward. I don't know what that's about, man. He didn't follow instructions real well. But the thing is, is we've got to be willing to say, you know what, God, I do trust you. I trust you with my life. I trust you with my career. I trust you to provide. I trust you for everything. If we can trust him with our soul, why can we not trust him with our finances? And why can we not trust him with our marriage? And why can we not trust him with our children? And why can we not trust him in those other areas if we believe that we can trust him with our soul? And so people who will pursue God, people who will trust God, and even though the outcome seems unsure. I remember when Laurie and I, you know, stepped out to plant Journey Church, it took two months before we knew where we would go. And I had people in the church who would say, hey, listen, man, why don't you go up the road here and start another church, you know, and and we'll we'll go with you. And I I was like, you know what? I'm not sure what that looks like on the kingdom map. A, A friend of mine was the pastor. And I said, you know what? I said, I don't feel called to split a church. And too often, that's the mentality. I see guys that want to go out and start a church, and they want to take people out of a church and suck them out of a church. If that church is sending you, that's one thing. But too often, 
And I'm just telling you, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure God will bless that the way that we believe that God wants to bless it. And so I said, you know, I, I said, we, we just want to go where God wants us to go, not where man wants us to go. And so Laurie and I spent months praying, weeks praying, and I was desperate. I mean, I'm, I remember just literally weeping before the Lord like, God, just show me where, where. And so two months later, he showed me that. But here's the thing, we were willing to go even though we didn't know where it would be. When I turned in my resignation, I had no idea where we were going. You know, and so two months later, I'm like, Lord, please just show us where. And he did. And so God, he, he will bless that. I'm just telling you, maybe there's something that you're going, you know, God, I, I would, but if you'll show me what the answer is, if you'll show me what you're going to do, then I'll, I'll go. But if you go back, Jesus even said, blessed are those who, see, who believe and have not seen. And what he said, those who come along later in life, you know, and they didn't see me heal the blind. They didn't see me heal the lame. They didn't see all that, but they believe anyway. He said, more blessed are they. See, God blesses faith. Look at this next one. It says, God raises up people for his purposes. God raises up people for his purposes. I said it earlier. I didn't have anything to offer. But if God calls you, he will equip you. He'll prepare you. And some of the things that you're going through now, you think, hey, you know, God, why am I going through this? Because he's shaping you. He's molding you. He's preparing you for the works of ministry. He's teaching you patience. He's teaching you so much right now. And you think, why am I going through this heartache or why am I going through this hardship? So that, you know what, you'll be able to pour that into someone else's life and share with them how you made it through there by the grace of God. How God's faith, your faith in God is what got you through that. And they see that, you know what, you have a relationship with a heavenly father that cares about every detail of our life. And God will never waste a hurt or a hardship that we go through. But he will use that to help us teach and lead others through that. And sometimes help them avoid the same pitfalls. Some of the things that you're going through because, are because of your decisions. Not because God is trying to, you know, you know, discipline you. You just made bad decisions. And here's the thing. You're mad at God. And here's the thing. God is saying, hey, listen, you need to change your decisions. And he's not going to waste that either. So we've got to be able to say, God, here I am. Use me. So God raises up people for his purposes. He raised up David, King David, that we read earlier. He, he taught him how to be a fighting man from his youth. He fought bears and lions, man, prepared him for Goliath. And so God has, he raises up people. He prepares people. And the next one, that God is looking for people humble enough to give him all the glory. God is looking for somebody that is humble. God loves humility. He despises, he hates arrogant, stiff-necked, haughty people and so if you're somebody who wrestles with pride every day you need to say god help me to crucify this pride god help me to die to this arrogant spirit god help me to die to this haughty mentality god help me to crucify these things that are keeping me from being humble jesus had all the power and authority of of god but yet was in human flesh but yet he was humble and meek meek is power under control and so whenever we look back at jesus we don't see someone who walked around prideful and arrogant but humble and meek and if we claim to be followers of Christ, we should say, God, help me to be the same way. And so too often what we do is we want to do some type of ministry so that we can get a pat on the back. We can get an attaboy. And we can get you know, people to talk about us and, and point towards us and look at what all we've done. And let me just tell you, ministry is full of people like that. They want to be recognized. They want to be acknowledged. But that's not why you go into the ministry. You go into the ministry so that Jesus is made famous, not you. And so what we've got to be willing to do is say, God, it's not about me. It's about you being glorified. It's about you being honored. And, and so God is looking for people that are humble enough to give him all the glory, all the praise, all the credit. Now, let me just say this. We all need an attaboy every once in a while. A thank you. 
Thank you for serving. Thank you for making a difference. Thank you for what you do. Every one of us need that. We teach our children, hey, listen, what do you say? You say what? Thank you. Somebody gives something, somebody does something for you, we're supposed to say that. And so what I would say is we have got to be humble, but we've also got to make sure that we meet the needs of the people around us. And the Bible says that the church, the body of Christ, is where we get that need for that attaboy or that word of encouragement. It says, you know, gather together. Don't, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves, but all the more as the day approaches, we're to be together. And it says while you're together that you encourage one another. You build each other up and you help build up the body of Christ. But we spur one another on with, towards love and good deeds with our words and with our affirmations and our encouragements. And sometimes you might need to tell somebody, hey, listen, God has a call on your life. That affirmation literally is what will literally give them confirmation, that, you know what, that God has called me to do this. And so we need to speak those things over people. We need to give them a, a compliment every once in a while. And then this next one here, I love. People still search for a faithful for faithful men and women. Not only does God search for faithful men and women, people do. People are looking for somebody they can trust, somebody they can believe, you know, in. Now, here's the thing. We never put that person above the person of Christ. Jesus is who we put our faith in. And too often we get our feelings hurt because someone lets us down. Let me tell you, everybody in this room is fallen. Everybody in this room is broken. Everybody in this room is in need of a Savior. And so what I love about that is we're all in the same boat. There's nobody above anybody. You know, but here's what I would say is we are all in need of a Savior. We're all broken. Now, the bad thing about us all being broken is we have our baggage and we bring our issues. And we were talking this past week, our staff, we were talking about, you know, people leaving church. And they leave for different reasons. Sometimes they get their feelings hurt. Sometimes you didn't do what they thought you should have done or whatever it might be. And maybe, you know what, I'll just say this. Maybe somebody in the church didn't do what they should have done. That happens. But what we do is we tote that around and we leave. We leave the body of Christ, we leave the fellowship, we leave the encouragement, we leave the teaching, and what we do is we isolate ourselves or we single ourselves out, and we kind of get out there, and a lot of times we're adrift, and if you've ever watched National Geographic, the predators always look for the weak and the ones that are alone. And so what we've got to be willing to do is say, you know, God, help me to stay in the body of Christ, help me to work through my differences, that's what Scripture teaches it even says if you want to come up here and worship at the altar, you don't even come up here, but you leave your, your gift at the altar. You go back and you make right with your relationship with someone else so that you can come and really worship in truth and in spirit. It doesn't say leave. It doesn't say leave and pout. It says, hey, listen, let's get this thing right so that I can worship God and make it about him and not about me. But what the, what the enemy loves to do, the Bible says that the, the, the devil is like a, an angry lion looking and searching for whom he may be able to destroy and devour. And so what we've got to be willing to say, realize is, you know what? Satan loves for us to be isolated. He loves to see us get our feelings hurt. He loves to see us leave the church and be out there by ourselves as easy pickings. Proverbs 20, verse 6 says, Many will say they are loyal friends, but who can find one who is truly reliable? Let me just say this. Our, our job ought to be to do what we say we, we, we're going to do. Be a good friend. And, and some of you in this room, you know, you want a friend. You want somebody that is loyal. You want somebody to, that, you know, that you can count on. But here's the thing. You have to be a good friend, too. If you want good friends, be a good friend. If you're, you know, if you're the biggest jerk in the world, don't expect to have a lot of friends. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's just the way it works. Last night, we had our, our next college-age, college and career-age students at our house. And, and uh, they were doing a progressive dinner. So they had, you know, uh, appetizers at our house. And they went to the, uh, Brandon M's house. And they had... Uh, the, the entree, and then they went to Karen and Billy's house, and they had dessert. And I was watching them just have fun, just enjoy being around each other. And, man, they were having a good time. And I was thinking, you know what? That's what the body of Christ is like. 
You know, and so whenever we get together and we're in life groups and we're connected, that's important. But if you're isolated, if you're out there and you're singled out, you're easy prey for the enemy. He loves to see those that are straggling, that are out by themselves. And we've got to be willing to say, God, help me to find a, a family of friends, a family of believers that I can be around. And then look at this last one. We're done. We'll hit these last two, uh, two parts here real quick. Faithfulness is the key to blessing and victory. You know, everybody wants to be blessed. Everybody wants to win. Those are the things that we, we often look for. Well, faith is the key to that. So faithfulness is the key to that. It says, for every child of God uh, defeats this, this evil world, and we achieve this victory through what? Our faith. If you want to win, if you like to win, like I love to win. I hate losing at anything. Lori and I are both competitive, so none of our kids really had a chance. You know, we, we, we hate losing. I don't care if it's tiddlywinks. And so if you, if you like to win, man, you ought to love Jesus. Because I'm just telling you, he has defeated death, he has defeated the grave, he has defeated hell, he's defeated sin, he's defeated it all. And here's the thing, he comes to live within us. And man, he fills us with Holy Spirit, man, he fills us with the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're able to walk in victory. I don't know if you forget about that or if we just kind of take that for granted. But the power of the living God lives within us. And we have been given victory only through our faith in Christ. Not by works, not by deeds, but by faith. It says, and who can win this battle against the world? Question, only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Only those. That is the Word of God speaking clearly. Only those who have put their faith in Christ will experience true victory in this world. Nobody else will. And so we look at that and we go, faithfulness is the key to blessing and victory. And look at this next one here out of Proverbs 28, verse 20. A faithful person will be richly blessed, but one eager to get rich will not go unpunished. What it says, hey, one that cheats, well, they'll, they'll be punished in the end. But he says a faithful person will be blessed. You know, I had a guy, a guy come to me one time. He said, Pastor Mike, he said, um, he said I've, I've got this boss that doesn't like me. He said, he's trying to get me fired. I said, so he's your boss? And he goes, yeah. I said, so or, what are you doing you know, to, to make him want to fire you? He goes, nothing. I said, do you show up on, on time? He goes, well, not always. I said, do you do your job, you know, like every day? Do you do a good job with your job? He goes, well, yeah. And then you could tell there wasn't a whole lot of confidence in that. I said, are you divisive? I mean, I said, are you talking about your boss to, your, to the other employees? And he's like, well, everybody's frustrated with him. I said, do you stir that up? And, and so I'm asking him these questions, and I said, so let me just tell you from a boss's perspective. I said, so here, here's the way I look at it. I said, if I've got a really good employee that's knocking it out of the park, that's getting it done, that's doing everything they can, that I've asked them to do, they're doing their job, and they're excelling, and maybe even going above and beyond. I said, I'll do everything I can to get them the best raise I can get them. Because I, here's the thing, whatever they're doing, and they're doing it really well, makes me look really good if I'm their boss. I said, you understand? He goes, yes, sir. I said, but if i got a guy on my staff or said, or that's working for me that is not doing his job, not really getting after it, you know, and is lazy or whatever, divisive, causing problems, I'm going to go ahead and tell you. I said, I'm going to look for a way for him to leave. And he goes, he goes like, like looking at me like, Pastor Mike, what is wrong with you? And I was like, that's just a life, dude. I mean, you have a job. You earn your paycheck. You do your job. You do it well. I'm just telling you, you'll get blessed. And here's the thing. They will try to bless you with more because you've done such a good job with what you've already been given. The Bible is pretty clear on that. I don't know if y'all figured that out or not. But you have a responsibility. If you have a job, instead of always whining and complaining and dogging it out, dogging out your boss, I'm just telling you, if you are a really good employee, there's a good chance that he would really like to reward you. You know, and so we have to think along those lines. That, hey, it's not always that somebody's against me. I'm just not doing what I ought to be doing. So here's the thing. I'm not being faithful. Now, there's times your boss may not be doing his job. I get that. Maybe he's not being faithful. 
But more times than not, it's we're not doing what we should be doing and what we've already committed to do. So here's the thing. I don't know if you realize this, but when you when you get hired on, you say that you're going to do your job. That's what you're doing. And whenever they pay you, they're paying you for you to do your job. So if you're not doing your job, you're not earning your keep, then here's the thing. You, you're the one that's not being faithful. And so the Bible says, you know what? People are always looking. And I'll just say this. People are hiring everywhere, and they're looking for people that they can say they're faithful. They're faithful to show up on time. They're faithful to do their job. They're faithful employees. And I'll just tell you something that is a rarity in this day and age is loyalty. Loyalty is a beautiful thing. And it is hard in this day and age to find anybody loyal. Employees to, I mean, employers to employees or employees to employers. It's hard to find loyalty. But here's the thing. That is a great quality that I think people would look at. And I think whenever they see loyalty, they say, you know what? Faithfulness. So look at the qualities of a faithful person. We'll be done. Holiness. I believe one of the greatest qualities of, of a faithful person is they're holy. We read that passage last week. It says, the Bible says, be, you know, God says, uh, hey, listen, you, you, you have told you these things that you might know that you have salvation. Not that you have to wonder, you have to hope. And God says, hey, listen, be holy for I am holy. Holy means to be set apart. Holy means to be different from the world. Holy means to be living according to the principles and the, the teachings of Christ. Holiness is something that we are always att- trying to attain to. We're wanting to become more and more like Christ. More like Christ today than I was yesterday. More like Christ tomorrow than I was today. And so we're always saying, God, change me. Teach me. Teach me to be humble. Teach me to be holy. Teach me to, you know, to say no to certain things. And here's the thing. To not buy into the world's pattern, even when it comes to Christmas. Let it be a holy season that we're in. Not that we're just, hey, this is a commercial season. This is a holy season. So quit buying into the world standards and say, God, I want to line up with your word. Holiness. Here's another one. Humility. Be humble. I don't need all the recognition. I need God to be recognized. When someone you know, says, hey, man, you're doing this or you're doing that, say, hey, thank you so much. But, man, it's only because of God's grace, God's mercy, and God's provision. And so patience. Patience is one of those things that we all wrestle with. I had a friend of mine in college. He said, man, whatever you do, don't pray for, pray for patience. God will put you through hell. And I'm like, what the heck does that mean? I said, it's the fruit of the Spirit, dude. I said, if you surrender to God, the, the very presence of the Holy Spirit working in you produces patience. It's not that God's going to torture you. That was almost his mentality. And, and you can't say, I'm not going to be praying for patience. Why? It's a fruit of the Spirit, dude. You know, so we've got to be able to say, God, teach me to be patient. Grow that in me. And so here's another one, good stewardship. We talked earlier about the, the big give. Good stewardship. You know, People gave sacrificially $43,000. We as a church want to be good stewards of that money. And hopefully more of that will come in between now and the end of the month. And whatever comes in, we're good stewards of those resources, investing in good ministries that are doing a good job making a difference out there. And so that's good stewardship. Managing your time, your talent. You know, some of you guys sitting in here, you're not using your abilities. You're not using your gifts. You're not using your talents. If you're faithful... You're not only using your, your money to, to help the kingdom, you're using your talents to help the kingdom. You're using your time to help the kingdom. And then here's another one, servanthood. If you're truly faithful, you're a servant. You have a servant mentality. It's not always about you, but it's about serving God. It's about serving others. It's about loving God. It's about loving others. And so that's your whole mentality. And so a servant is not always looking for what, out for what's best for you, but you're saying, hey, you know what? Hey, God, what honors you? And God, what makes a difference in the lives of people? If you love God, you love his people. If you love God, you love his people. And you want to serve them. And so here's the last one, selflessness. It's crucifying the flesh. It's dying to self. 
and saying, God, it's not about me. It's about you. But you crucify the flesh. You crucify this, this selfish nature. You say, God, it's about you. These next steps and we're done. Maybe there's somebody in the room today. You need to surrender to God's plans. I don't know what God's plan is. I don't know what he's put on your heart. I don't know what he's calling you to. But he's saying, hey, listen, trust me. Trust me. And so I, I, I encourage you, surrender to God's plans today. Here's another one. Walk in humility like Christ. There's some of you in this room that you battle pride. It, it, it doesn't take long for you to start thinking it's all about you. You, you. you think you're the center of the universe. You think everything ought to revolve around you. And I'm just telling you, you need to crucify that. You need to die to that today. And say, you know what? God, help me to walk in humility. Help me to die to self. God, help me to literally make it about you. Let my life be nothing more than a mirror that reflects all the glory towards you. That everything that I hear about me, God, I point it towards you and I say, God, this is for your glory. God, it's for your praise. And then the last one, honor the commitments I've made. Honor the commitments I've made. Honor your marriage. Honor the, the job that you have. Honor the contract that you've entered. Honor the bills that you owe. You know, just do what you said you're going to do. Just let those things happen. And if you have to work an extra job to pay the bills, then do that. But honor that. Be found faithful with whatever God has given you the opportunity to do. Hopefully, when we get to the end of our life, he'll say, well done, my good and what? Faithful servant. Well done, my good and faithful servant. I pray that every one of us in this room, that is our desire. We want to be found faithful. Faith is worth celebrating. Faith is what saves us. Faith is the key. Faith makes God smile. And so whatever God has maybe spoke to you about today or put on your heart today, I want to encourage you to trust Him, to put your faith in Him. I know some of you guys are you're, you're, you're looking at Christmas and you're so stressed out because of what you feel like you have to spend or have to do. But I want to encourage you to put your faith in Christ and trust God's design, God's leadership, God's leading when it comes to how you handle your finances. Some of y'all are stressed out about who's coming to your house. Maybe, you know, you got the Griswold thing going on. I don't know. Maybe you just need to say, God, I trust you to use me as a witness in my family's life. God, let me be a light. Let me be a, a witness of the gospel. Let me be a, 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 an image or a model of life change. Let me be an ambassador for Christ with my family. Instead of stressing and work, God, I'm trusting you to use me. And maybe some of you in this room that you've never put your faith in Christ. Maybe trying to earn your way to heaven. Maybe you think, hey, if I'll just be better, if I'll just change a few things, maybe God will let me in. And I'm just telling you, don't sit there spending your life and spend, spinning your wheels trying to earn your way to heaven. You'll never make it. It's only by faith in what Jesus has done on the cross, what Jesus did through the power of the resurrection, and what Jesus offers you, which is the gift of salvation. Don't try to earn it. And so maybe you're here today and you've never put your faith in Christ. Receive the greatest gift that you will ever receive. The greatest gift that you'll ever get for Christmas is Jesus. The greatest gift this world has ever received is Jesus. And so I want to ask you, man, if you will, just bow your heads and close your eyes. And, and maybe that's you. You go, you know what, Mike? I, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to be saved. I want to be changed. I want to know that I'm in right standing with God. And I want to walk you through that. It's a simple prayer. It's a prayer of the heart. It's a prayer of, the, of your lips. But here's what it is. It's really surrender. And so maybe you're in the room today, 
And for the first time, you realize, I need a relationship with Christ, and I want to be saved. I want to be born again. I want to become a child of God. I want to be a part of His family. And so, let me walk you through the simple prayers. It's as simple as this. They just say, Jesus, I believe that you went to the cross for me. Jesus, I believe that you bled out your precious blood to pay for my sins and the sins of the world. Jesus, I believe that you can save me. And I believe that you can change me. And I believe that you can use me. And so, Jesus, with all the faith that I have, I put my faith in you for salvation. So, Jesus, I'm asking you, will you come into my life? Will you forgive me? His answer is yes. And, Jesus, will you help me quit living the way I've been living and live for you and live in a way that honors you? And his answer is yes. And so it's by faith that we're saved. It's not by works. And maybe you're the one today that you say, you know what? I'm choosing to put my faith in Christ. I'm surrendering my life, my heart to him right now. If you just prayed that prayer, if you don't mind, would you raise your hand and say, Mike, I just prayed that prayer. We love to celebrate that. We love to celebrate someone receiving the greatest gift the world has ever received. Anybody, just raise your hand and say, Mike, I just prayed that prayer. Anybody? Anybody in the room? I don't see any hands. I see one hand over here. Amen, brother. I see your hand. You just receive, if you just prayed that prayer, you just received the greatest gift that God will ever give. You received His Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Anybody else? Thank you for your courage. Anybody else? That tells me this room is full of believers. We've got one new believer, praise God. But here's the thing. This room is full of believers. Let me ask you this question. Are you faithful? Are you a faithful follower? Are you faithful to trust Him? Are you faithful to serve Him? Are you faithful to do what He's already taught you to do? Are you faithful to the things you already know to do? Are you faithful? And if not, then let today be a day of repentance for you. They say, God, I want to be faithful from this point forward. I want to honor you. I want to live for you. I want to make a difference. God, will you use me as your vessel? I promise you, His answer is yes. Yes. If you raised your hand to receive Christ, man, be sure to let us know on a card or come back here to the VIP room. We'd love to meet with you and talk with you, pray with you. Maybe you're here today and you need someone to pray with you. We'd love to pray with you back at the VIP room. Father, I thank you for meeting with us today. I thank you for your love for us. I thank you for what Christmas is all about. I thank you for the birth of Jesus. I thank you for Joseph and Mary being so faithful. God, you took the common, ordinary people. You did incredible things through them. God, you do the same thing today. The Bible says that your eyes are searching for the faithful. God, let us be found faithful in your eyes. But God, we know that we have our part in that. You've done everything that we need to be in right standing with you. You've done everything. God, help us to be obedient. Help us to be disciplined. Help us to do what we know to do. God, so that we can honor you. And we can honor you in every possible way. And we can make sure that you get all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.